This episode of Pet Resource Radio is sponsored by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Vodka for Dog People program seeks to rescue and protect animals all over the country by supporting and working with local animal wellness organizations nationwide, including us, Kansas City's very own Pet Resource Center. After all, they're vodka for dog people. Does that mean that it can only be enjoyed by human-dog hybrid people made in a lab? No, of course not, because those don't exist, right? It's vodka for people who love dogs like us. And you. What's the connection between violence towards pets and violence towards people? We talked to Wayside Waves Humane Education Manager Ashley Stanley on this episode of Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, I'm Sierra Howe. And I'm Dave Shapiro. And yes, indeed, welcome to the program. This episode drops on April 19th. And on the 23rd and the 30th, we've got a drive through clinic coming up at Bass Pro Shops out in Independence. That's 18001 Bass Pro Drive. My guess is it's probably one of the few things on Bass Pro Drive. So find Bass Pro Drive. And Actually, get there. I just went to Hobby Lobby last night. It's across the street. Okay, all right. So there's other stuff on there, but it's the one that will be called Bass Pro Shops. Um, <clears throat> and what you can get there is $35 cat, uh, $35 dog full set of vaccinations, $25 cat full set of vaccinations, uh, puppies and kittens, that's deworming, and DA2PP or FVRCP, depending on if it's a cat or a dog, $10 for those. Um, you can add on microchips for $10. You can get individual vaccinations for $15. And you can get a KCMO city license for $12. Yeah, and then again, that's only if you live in Kansas City. Unfortunately, if you live in Independence, we can't give those out just because we're only allowed to do it for KCMO residents. Right, because we are in KCMO. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't license your pets in Independence, too. Nope, you absolutely <laughs> should license your, your pets in Independence. You should license your pets wherever you are and wherever you need to license your pets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, how about we do some pet news? Alrighty. First, some great news out of Austin, Texas. The city council has unanimously voted to outlaw declawing procedures for cats. As we talked about here back a few months ago in episode 17, declawing leads to a whole host of long-term pain issues for cats. It also takes away their primary means of defense if they were to get lost or to escape. Um, great stuff. Yeah. It, as far as we I'm honestly concerned. don't need to give an explanation for that. It's just great to see that more people are um, outlawing declawing. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And if you do want to know more about declawing and why it's bad for pets, definitely drop back into episode 17 and check that out. Our interview with Dr. Eliza Sundahl. Uh, It's a really good episode and she is very informative. I believe we have a blog on it too. Yes, we do. If you prefer to read. Yeah. If you like to read, we got one of those too. We can add those to the, uh, actually we'll add that to the show notes. And then up in Ottawa, a year and a half old pup named Clover. And I just want to pause for a second because that name is so cute. It's real cute. And if you go online and look at the article, she's like this, I want to say shepherd, fluffy, white, little mix. Not little, but (laughs) you know what I mean. But she became a hero recently. So she and her human Haley were walking through the neighborhood. And then out of nowhere, Haley started to have a seizure, and the moment was caught on the neighbor's home security camera where you can see Clover checking on Haley and then, like, bounding into traffic to stop cars and to find somebody to check on her human. 
Dryden Oatway, one of the drivers who stopped, said, quote, it was really impressive the dog actually blocked my way, end quote. And so thanks to Clover's quick thinking, Haley's doing all right today. And Clover was fed, obviously, delicious steaks for the job well done. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty fantastic. Cute. Yeah, it's a super cute story. Um, glad that Clover ended up okay because you never know what can happen when that happens. I know. Um, also, Dryden Oatway, that's a great name for a human being. I know. I was hoping I was pronouncing it right. <laughs> yeah, you did a great job. <laughs> uh, how about no. we go talk to Ashley Stanley? Okay. What does being kind towards animals mean for how a person deals with other humans? We've got Wayside Waves human education manager, Ashley Stanley, on the show today to talk to us about the connection between the two. Thanks for being on Pet Resource Radio, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Excellent. So let's start off with the basics. What exactly is humane education? Yeah, that's a really great question. Uh, a lot of times people, when they hear humane education, they just really don't have any idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Just simply put, it's the the practice of educating adults and children on the world around them in order to help foster more empathy and compassion and respect for all living beings. So one of the things people commonly think of with humane education is, oh, it's all about animals, but actually, humane education is much more than that. It's animal welfare issues, it's social justice issues, it's conservation issues, climate issues. It's really just about the world around us. So why in particular would we want to focus on children? Yeah, so for a few reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is, you know, they're the next generation. We we want to inspire them to, to pick up where we're leaving off. Uh, another reason, and we always joke with students about this, is that you know, it's sometimes really hard to change a grown-up's mind about something. You know, we always ask kids, like, how many times have you ever tried to get a grown-up to think about something in a different way? And it's not always the easiest task. And just speaking as a grown-up myself, that sometimes it's even hard to change my mind. But kids, they have such open minds, and they're Mm -hmm. just little sponges. Um, But then, you know, really, I think the most important reason that we focus on students so much is – the role that they play in this circle of violence. So one of the things that we talk a lot about is, you know, the connection between the way we treat animals and the way we treat people. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of illustrate that, one of the examples we use is, you know, women who are seeking refuge in a domestic violence shelter. Mm -hmm. They're already more likely to report that the animal in their home has also been abused, threatened, even sometimes killed. So if you factor kids into that, uh, we found that, Anytime kids are witnessing abuse, they are 10 times more likely to grow up to become perpetrators of violence. And so what we want to do with our educational programs is really disrupt that cycle of violence, talk to them about compassion and empathy, and just hopefully set them on a different path so that they're more successful, but also the world around them is a better place too. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, let's talk about then the No More Bullying program in particular. How did that come about? Yeah, so No More Bullying is our, it's really our signature program at Wayside Waves Mm -hmm. as far as our humane education programs go. It is a violence prevention curriculum that is really rooted in social and emotional learning concepts. It was developed, I want to say about 15 years ago, and it's it's had a few variations. So when it was first developed, it was called No More Bullies. And Mm -hmm. then about seven years ago, it was revamped um, to be called No More Bullying because we really wanted to focus on, you know, just being in intentional. And so we we changed some of the lessons. We changed what we were doing. Um, like I said, we changed the name. Part of the reason for that was, you know, when you talk about 
bullying, you know, one of the things that we do all the time is, is say that bullying is behavior. It's not who you are. Right. So when you're when you're calling someone a bully, that's like putting that label right on them. Right, and right. we want kids to identify that as an action. Like, oh, I can choose this or I can choose something else. Right. And so the whole goal of the program is to encourage students to choose to practice kindness and compassion and all of these concepts, both with animals and people. So um, that happened about seven years ago. And then at that time as well, the curriculum became available for other organizations to purchase. Okay. So we teach it here in Kansas City. And when we teach it here, we do it totally free of cost. Uh, and then other organizations can purchase it and teach it where they're at. So to date, we're in 37 cities across 22 other states. Wow. Yeah. That's really fantastic. Yeah. Well, what does the program look like right now because of COVID restrictions? Oh, <laughs> it looks uh, very different right now. So everything is virtual, which has been really difficult, but it's also allowed us to kind of grow and stretch in ways that we probably wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. Uh, so right now we have a virtual no more bullying classroom mm -hmm. where our teachers and students can go. We've created videos for each lesson um, because it is a multi-lesson curriculum. It's five lessons. So we We've made videos for each lesson, and then students can hop on. They have a digital version of our student journals, uh, and they go through that, and they can go through all on their own. They can go through it on their own and then do, like, check-in calls with us where they we hop on Zoom, and we you know take them on a tour around the shelter, and we get to really process what they're learning in those videos with them. Cool. Uh, and then, yeah, hopefully next year we'll be back to in-person. Yeah, and what does it look like when it is in person? Yeah, so in person is it's usually taught Monday through Friday when we do it here in Kansas City. So we teach Monday through Friday. It's five lessons. Each lesson is an hour long. Mm -hmm. We go into the classroom. It's a facilitator and a companion animal, which let's be real is the absolute best part. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then each lesson that we teach is really rooted in a core value. So we talk about responsibility, compassion, being humane, self-control and integrity. And we workshop with the students, you know, what does this look like when we're practicing this core value with people? And then what does it look like when we're practicing it with animals? Right. And then that animal is right there with them. So they're getting that like live hands-on experience. And all of this stuff is, it's not new information. I mean, these kids have heard the word responsibility sure. 10 trillion times. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> when they're hearing it with an animal right in front of them, their perspective totally changes because mm -hmm. all of a sudden they're looking at it through the lens of that animal. Mm -hmm. And it's like they're hearing it for the first time. You see all of these little light bulb moments going off and they're like, oh yeah, I didn't think about it like that. Oh, that's excellent. That's really awesome to hear. What so now you have ambassador pups. How do you how do you choose your ambassador pups? Yeah, so all of the animals that go with us into the classroom, they are either owned by staff or volunteers. So we have a companion animal test. If we have an animal or someone has an animal that's like, hey, I think that this animal would be a really good fit. 
for the humane education programs, mm-hmm. then we have them come in and do a companion animal test. And it's like loosely based off of the canine good citizen test. Okay. Um, our behavior team are the ones that, that do the evaluation for us. And we're really just looking to make sure, number one, this animal is going to be a really safe animal to have in the classroom. One of the things that's really important to us when we are taking dogs into the classroom, and I say dogs, we're working on integrating more than just dogs into the classroom, but gotcha. sometimes it's going to be a little bit difficult. Dogs love it a little bit more than most animals. Um, but one of the things that we, we think is really important is that any animal that we're bringing into the classroom, it doesn't need to be a absolute perfect animal. Okay. Um, you know, for us, I think it kind of gives a, a false sense of security to students mm. that, you know, they see this animal. And for some students, this is the first animal that they've ever experienced, you right. know, some animal, which is crazy to think about. But for a lot of students, they don't have animals at home or they, you know, they just don't have that experience. And we don't want to put them in a situation where they think every animal from that point forward or every dog from that point forward is going to be exactly like that dog that they met in the classroom. So a lot of our animals have little quirks. Um, You know, I bring my dog Maisie and number one, she's a, she's a little pit bull mix. So Mm -hmm. that right there is a great teaching moment for students um, because they're a lot of times are like, oh, there's a pit bull. She's going to be dangerous. She's scary. And it's like, right. wait, no, she's like, nope. she's really safe. I promise. Let's talk about that. <laughs> um, but she's a little more on the shy side. She was probably hit by a car before I adopted her. Mm-hmm. And so in loud environments, she gets nervous. And it's a great opportunity for students to kind of see that and then alter their behavior. So adjust their energy level to help make her feel more safe. Right. Um, we have animals that have medical issues that have my other dog, Walter, he has seizures and he comes to the classroom with me. Mm. We have tripods that come into the class with mm. us. Um, so really not that that doesn't make them perfect, but, but you right. know, we just, it's a wide variety of animals that, that we bring in. That's excellent. What are some of the positive outcomes that you've seen from the program? Yeah, we are so lucky that we have seen a lot of positive outcomes um, from the formal positive outcomes. Last year, well, sorry, no, 2019, we were able to bring on two independent researchers um, through funding through the H&R Block Foundation mm-hmm. to do an evaluation of the program. And what they found with that evaluation was that students that participated in the program showed statistically significant improvements, both in the areas of empathy and respect, but then also self-awareness and self-management. And that last piece, that self-awareness and self-management piece is really important in the education world because it aligns with something called the um, CASEL framework for social and emotional learning. And in the educational world, that's like the gold standard for social and emotional learning. So it was really cool for us to see, um, see that connection and see those benefits. And then just, you know, anecdotally, we have had so many instances with the program where, you know, students, because of the program, are starting to talk about things that they maybe normally wouldn't talk about with the adults in their lives. Like Mm -hmm. there's something happening when you have this animal right in front of you and it's creating this really safe environment. And, And that's one of the things that we really strive to do is focus on you creating a safe place for students to be able to talk about really tough issues. We talk about animal abuse. We talk about people abuse. Mm. And through these conversations, we've had, unfortunately, 
a number of times where students have, you know, disclosed instances of abuse, both towards animals and both towards people. So we were able to connect them with the resources they needed to get help. Um, We've had students who are, you know, terrified of dogs Mm -hmm. who throughout the course of the program have all of a sudden started warming up to them and have a different relation. I had one student once who they told me, you know, his only goal is to just be in the same room with a dog because that's how scared he was of dogs. By the end of the class, by the end of that week, he was sitting on the floor with Maisie petting her. He would see her in the hallway. He was like, that's Maisie. I love her. Oh, that's super sweet. It was so cool just to, just to see that transformation in such a short amount of time. Uh, And I think, you know, it really is the power that animals have, you know, they have that healing power. They have that, that way about them that just kind of disarms you and, and helps you to feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, so, okay, we talked about the No More Bullying program. What are some of the other programs that you offer? Yeah, we have a lot of programs at Wayside. Uh, We have a paw etiquette for pooches and people. That's our dog safety class. So it's Mm -hmm. like a bite prevention program. We have a program called Activating Empathy, and it explores the similarities between what animals need to be happy and healthy and then also what people need to be happy and healthy. So looking at, okay, if this is what I need to be happy, this is how I feel when I'm not getting that. Mm -hmm. How do we think animals feel when they're not getting what they need to be happy and healthy? Right. Uh, We have a reading program that is super fun where we take our companion animals, our education animals into classrooms and libraries and small groups and students get to read on, get to read to them. Um, We also do that program in the shelter. So Families, small groups can come to the shelter and read to our adoptable animals. We have a kids in action program. Um, that's our, like our service learning program where people can come in and complete service projects for the animals. Uh, and then we also have summer camp. We have Camp Wayside every summer. Cool. Yeah, it's it's the best. We started doing that a few years ago. And last year we didn't get to because of COVID and, sure. and because of construction uh, on the building. But this year we are headed back to in-person summer camp so students get to come and hang with us for an entire week and they get to help around the shelter we have guest speakers come in we play a ton of games it's a really good time that sounds fantastic well how can somebody contact you if they're interested in in any of these programs yeah so the best way to get a hold of us is by checking out our webpage. so www.waysidewaves.org there's a humane education tab um, and you can see all of our programs and it's got our contact information on there Um, we love for people to reach out if they want to participate in programs if they want to volunteer with our programs we always need volunteers they can get a hold of us and we can get them connected that's fantastic. Um, yeah, really, honestly, folks, uh, this is a really fantastic program. If you're interested in volunteering, reach out and, and contact them. If you're interested in them uh, participating in one of those programs at your school, um, you know, reach out because uh, this is really it's one of those things that I've been kind of fascinated with ever since I found out about it. It's such a unique and interesting program. So thank you very much, Ashley Stanley, for being on the program today. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Today we want to talk about muzzles and not just one for our supervisor Scott, 
just want to add that this joke was not my idea. I think it's mean. But anyways, <laughs> it's not uncommon for us to see dogs and for services that are muzzled. And the response it can provoke from other people who aren't used to seeing muzzles is pretty strong. And the assumption is that this is an aggressive dog when that may not be the case at all. See, just like humans, some dogs get afraid when they go to the doctor. This can cause them to be more defensive or reactive. A muzzle protects everybody so that the dog gets what they need. And the veterinary team can focus on their job instead of how the dog is reacting to everything. Yeah, and so I actually have had a, a similar experience. My dog, maybe, I talk about her a lot on the podcast, so you probably remember her, but I took her to my previous full-service vet, and she did have to be muzzled. Unfortunately, like my other dog, Beasley, she's like happy-go-lucky and right. just loves people, and so the vet kind of just assumed that she was going to be the same way, and uh. she was young. I would say she was probably a year old, and um, kind of just didn't take the extra few minutes to gain her trust. Right. She didn't bite him or anything, luckily, thank God. But, um, yeah, she did have to be muzzled. She hated it. And it, in, in the moment, like as a pet owner, that's never had that's never happened to me. Right. So it is, I mean, I, it's for the best, but it, I know it can be hard to, um, like, digest, I guess. Right. And have to see your dog in a muddle, muzzle, but working here and seeing our sa- staff and the way that they work with pets is just, it changed my mindset for sure. But even at the dog park, a muzzle doesn't necessarily mean aggression. Sometimes a dog just plays a little too hard, especially some of the, some of the bigger dogs. In this case, the muzzle is just a protector against the accidental injury. It might even be an exercise to get them trained for a future vet visit. You just never know. And I mean, that's a thing. And in truth, muzzles shouldn't be used for behavioral issues like biting, barking, and chewing anyway, because those are issues that can really only be fixed with behavioral training. And what's important to remember is to always pay attention to a dog's body language so that muzzle or not, you're picking up what they're putting down communication-wise. And that way you're not putting them in a situation where they do feel defensive. Yep. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks to Ashley Stanley from Wayside Waves for being on our show today. If you want to learn more about their humane education program, all you have to do is go over to their website, waysidewaves.org, and check them out. As for us, we're a nonprofit just trying to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks in need, and you can help. Just head over to prckc.org and you can donate, shop our wish list, learn about our services, and more. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcasting app, rate us and leave us a review because like I say every episode, that always helps new people find us. And go ahead and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest news. We're at PRR Podcast on both platforms. And so until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the writer Gwen Cooper said, love is love, whether it goes on two legs or four. Take care. Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted by Sierra Howe and myself, David Shapiro, produced and written by Sierra Howe and David Shapiro, recorded, edited, and mixed by David Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me, more info at soundcloud.com slash Musical Industries. 